Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open up to Hebrews. We're going to start a new series today called Unshakable, and the whole series that we're going to be talking about as we go back to school and everybody's getting back into a rhythm is I really felt like uh, talking a little bit about um, maybe, uh, it's going to seem a little... I don't want to say how to preface first. Um, a little unique, I guess you could say, given what we've all kind of went through in the last couple of years. Um, and the idea of being unshakable, I put some questions down and I thought maybe we could go through together and just think about. And so in Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 12, I'm gonna read, let me just read the scripture to you and then we'll talk a little bit about it, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to skip down, sorry guys, and then I'll come back, all right? Let me read it to you and we'll go from there. Hebrews 12, verse 25, this is going to be from the New American Standard Bible, um, and I'm going to use that a lot, so I have to explain some words, but I, I'm using this because um, it, you, it's okay if you use other translations or other versions, I should say not all versions are translations, in case you didn't know, like just because you get a Bible doesn't mean it's an actual translation, it can be a paraphrased Bible. For this study, I'm using this because I think it's important that you understand the words and terminology that's used, not just a paraphrase. So Hebrews 12, 25 says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him and who warns, turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, yet once again, or once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, verse 27, and this is a, um, a quote from Haggai in the Old Testament. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things, watch this, which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken... May remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, aren't you glad? Th- that's enough right there to go home and be happy about. Uh, so, your kingdom that you're a part of, the kingdom of God, it cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude. That that is, I don't have time to get into it, in the area of worship. That goes back to Hebrews, where he talks about let, let us offer up again the sacrifice, which is the fruit of our lips. Therefore, giving praise and glory unto God. That's why we worship on Sunday. Why we come together? Why we sing? Isn't for song service? We don't come to sing a song. And do song service and do the music. It wasn't it good. That's, that's not why we do it. We do it to worship God. It is your sacrifice. You used to bring animals and stuff like that to sacrifice. That was your offering. Now your offering is the fruit of your lips, which is praise unto God. And isn't it a sacrifice? Let's just be honest. Sometimes it's a sacrifice, right? Your week didn't go good. You didn't go well, so you don't feel like singing. Am I the only one? <laughs> no, we're all that way, right? We come in sometimes. You don't feel like worshiping God. But you have to put your flesh in a situation that says, I'm going to worship anyway. It's a sacrifice. So anyway, he says, we offer these sacrifices unto God, an acceptable service with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, so I'm not really going to get into end time stuff, more or less. You could pull some of that some from this if you want to. That's not my point in saying this. I'm just going to just let the scripture speak for itself. There are things that, that will be shaken and have been shaken that can be shaken. Okay. But there are things of God that cannot be shaken. So before I go any further, if you've seen it shaken, what does that tell you about it? Something to think about, isn't it? We worry so much about so many things that we've seen shaken in the last few years. And yet the Bible tells us if it can be shaken, it will be shaken. But if it's of God, it can't be shaken. That's something really to consider. All of the worry, all the fret that we have that we come in this morning with is over things many times that are shaken. Things that are like, what happened? Why? I don't understand this. I don't understand that. But if it can be, it's not of his kingdom. Or in other words, he's not in control of it, if you will. Or maybe put it this way, maybe it was just man-made or man-made efforts. And God is saying, hey, without me, they that labor, you can build the house, but you do it in vain. It's, it, you just go on your own, you know? So I've wrote a couple of questions down, right? It seems like we all have a lot of questions today about why so many things have been, I'm using the word shaken, or have changed. That's what the word, I think we all have used a lot. Boy, things are really changing, aren't they? 
Man, they've changed a lot in the last few years. Why did some people grow closer to God through a global pandemic and others didn't? Why are we in such a sense, a, a, a tense season politically, emotionally, even relationally? Why, if we trusted our doctor before the pandemic, do we question them so much now? Why fight over climate change or the fact that I just used that word, you're mad because I didn't use the right word? Think about it. The word alone just stirs up all kinds of, ugh. I just used it because that's what everybody says. I have my own thoughts on that. I'm not sure it's living through this. How about this one? Why am I going through a trial if I was faithful to God when others weren't? How about this one? Why has this person that I love dearly decided to turn away from God? These are all things that have been shaped. I mean, these are, I give you more things that I have heard over the last few years that people have told me over and over and over again. What is going on? Well, I think we have a lot of whys, and I dare say most of us, this is the answer that we have for all these questions. You ready for it? Here we go. There's our answer. We don't know. There's a lot of people putting stuff in the blank. But to be honest, you and I probably don't know all of the answers to all the things that we have questions of. Do we? I mean, we, we ask all these questions sometimes. We ask questions about things that are shaking and they're messing around, falling and doing things. And we're going like, why, 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 why? But we don't have answers for it. But we keep asking the questions. And frustrations are high. People are tired. Cheeseburgers are more expensive. You know, it's ridiculous. But if you don't have the answers for the questions that you have, this is what tends to take place. You worry. And what is worry? Worry is just simply your mind trying to find an answer. It's a good thing, actually, um, unless it gets into sin. Like Jesus said, what does it matter if you, I mean, what's it going to help you by worrying? You're going to gain the day in your life. But let's just put it this way. Um, if, if, you're, if you were on the Titanic, your mind says, let's figure out a way to survive. That's good. Your mind does this kind of stuff, right? If you are, um, you know, out in your, you know, yard and all of a sudden this crazy, you know, dog that's like rabid and foaming out of the mouth, looks like Cujo, comes chasing at you. Your mind does calculations that says either run, if you have a weapon, take him out. But that's a good thing. Y'all understand, right? Your mind does that. That's important. But when you come to the end of a, when you have a question, your mind says, I, I can't, I have no computation for that. I can't. I have no answer. And you keep going. The mind says, I don't have an answer. That's what turns into worry. Maybe you don't do that, but if you don't have the right answer, it turns to fear sometimes. Fear is you can't find the answer. Your, your mind's trying to find the answer. That's worry. But fear is you can't find the answer. Now you're afraid. It's when you go in, you get a diagnosis or something. It's just, it flat out knocks you on your feet. And the doctor doesn't have any resources for you. You don't know what to do. It's a real issue, and it's, it's fear. Or anger shows up. It means you went from worrying, you tried to find the answer, you're, you're afraid now because you can't find the answer. Anger turns into, well, I just give up, I quit trying to find the answer. Now I'm just angry. When we can't answer questions about things that have been shaken, these are the emotions, these are very real that we do as Christians. And ultimately for the Christian, the issue that we have or who we have it with, if we were really honest this morning, the person we're really frustrated with is this guy right here. No one dares says it. We wouldn't try. We wouldn't. Now, if we're in church, we're not going to say it. We're going to look like super Christian, like sweet faces. And no, I would. I never question God. I just love Jesus. He's always good all the time. All the time. God is good. You know, you got fish on your cars. You got stuff on your fridge. It's quoting scriptures like crazy. But if we're really honest, I'm going to tell you right now. Every one of us at some point has been frustrated with him. Thank you for your honesty this morning. And you know what? He's big enough to handle it. It's just about how we go about it that 
really matters. So we're going to explore a couple of areas that, that I think are important that we need to look at, okay, as far as in the area of shaking. How do we deal with it when stuff, we can't answer the things we have questions for. So in Haggai, the prophetic word that, that is used in Hebrews, which I think Paul wrote this, you may not agree, but it just seems very like, much like his writings. In Haggai 2, verse 5, um, this is what the, he's quoting, okay? He says, as for the promise which I made to you when I came out of Egypt, or when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Watch this. I will shake all the what? See, we think in America we can't be shaken. And part of the problems that we have with our questions in America is, why is God letting this happen? Well, we're a nation just like any other nation. And we have this idea that because we put God on our money that somehow he wouldn't mess with us. Like as if we're immune. (laughs) I think God looks at us sometimes and says, you know, I'm going to shake some stuff in your country too. So, you, you know, you put all this trust and faith in all these different things. Watch this. Let me just show you how unprepared you really are. I'm not saying he caused a global pandemic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, look at how frail we really are. We can't even stand up to a little microscopic bug. Can't. And I think it's something to really think about. All nations will be shaken. And he says, they will come with the wealth of nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. And the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of God, the Lord of hosts. He's referring to his temple that Zerubbabel was building. But he's saying, in the house of God, there's peace. In the relationship with God, there is peace. In the nations, they will be shaken. But if they are shaken, where do you go for your answers? It is God. But if we are mad at him... That makes a very difficult relationship, right? The person that has the answer, we don't go to because we're mad. It, it doesn't work very well, does it? You know? So let's start today with a reading from a great guy in the Bible that probably most of you love to read about. Or you've heard stories about maybe, maybe not. This guy, Job. The most, I think contradictive, confusing, conflicting story of all the Bible is the story of Job. People have more questions about Job, the devil, God, these angels, his friends, whatever. It it just, it's constantly this thing that when people want to find fault with the Bible, they go to Job. Well, look at this. See, it's like God and the devil's having a game with Job. That's what they want to say. I have no time to discuss with agnostic naysaying people who have no no care whatsoever for God. If you want to reject God, I'm not going to argue with somebody about that, you know? I don't think that's what you are. So we're not even going down that, we're not going down that route, okay? We're going to look at Job from Job 32, and we're going to read. I'm going to read you a good bit this morning, okay? I feel like it's necessary to answer this question of why and what is being shaken, okay? So let's go to Job 32, verse 1. And I will tell you, if you read all of Job, a couple of thoughts from it. The book of Job can be looked at in a couple of different ways. Number one, he is a type and shadow of Christ. You may not see that, but he is a type and shadow of Christ, okay? That's one example. There are other examples when you look at, he is also a person who uh, really kind of, if you look at it, he, he justified him himself. He felt like he was righteous and he didn't deserve to be dealt with like he was. Um, another couple of places, he had some really bad friends. He's an example of don't surround yourself with faithless people. Get yourself around some really smart and wise people, right? People love Jesus. You can take a number of different stories from Job. I'm just going to read to you some context from this. This is after his other friends have spoken. They have given all this blame game against God. And this young guy named Elihu. Now, for everybody that's young in here, we talked about that last week a little bit. If you're young in here, listen to this because this is really cool. Because what I'm going to talk about in a moment, it may sound like youth is not a good thing. That's not true. This guy is the younger of all the four guys that are talking to Job. His name is Elihu. He's the youngest. Okay, so listen to what he says. After these other guys have blamed God, blamed Job, blamed everybody, Elihu answers, and he says this. He says, then these three men <clears throat> ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. See, Job thought he was righteous in his own eyes. Now, if you look at it as a type of shadow of Christ, then Jesus, then you don't understand. He was righteous in his own. He, he didn't need to be justified by man. He was already justified by God. So anyway, it's a back and forth thing. But it says, but the anger of Elihu, the son of 
what's his name? The Buzz. If you go look at this, uh, this is funny. The Buzzites. If you go look it up, it's from the the guy named his name's Buzz. No kid, not not Buzz Lightyear. I thought about Buzz from like you know Home Alone. That's who I thought about when I read this Buzz. You know, like you know the guy who it was a one hit wonder actor, Agni and whatever little you know flat top whatever kind of thing. I don't think he acted again since. But anyway, Home Alone. That's his deal. Uh, anyway. So Buzz, you know, that's the family here. Elihu is the son of that guy, the Buzzite. Of the family of Ram, he burned against Job. His anger burned because he justified himself before God. And his anger burned against his three friends because they had found no answer. And yet they had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were years older than he. That means not just a few years. That, they're not peers. These are men who are, are advanced in years. They should be, you know, wiser than his own eyes. And so Elihu, the son of uh, B, we'll call him B, the buzz out, spoke out and said, I am young in years and you are old. Therefore, I was shy and afraid to tell you what I think. I thought age should speak and increased years should teach wisdom. Great respect from this man, right? But it is a spirit in a man and the breath of the Almighty that gives understanding. Very important. If you're young in here, pay attention to this. Uh, you don't have to be old to hear from God. You don't have to be old to follow God. Uh, you don't have to wait till you're 60 to, to have a relationship with Christ. You can have a relationship with Christ right now. Samuel was a young man of the Lord while Eli was a faithless, ungodly priest that didn't manage his own house, didn't deal with his kids. They were unruly, ungodly, and, and immoral. In the midst of all that, Samuel was hearing from God at a young age. So you can as a young person. Anyway, so uh, he says, <clears throat> The abundant in years may not be wise, <laughs> nor may elders understand justice. So I say, listen to me, and I'll tell you what I think. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened to your reasonings while you pondered what to say. I even paid close attention to you. Indeed, there was no one who refuted Job, not one of you who answered his words. Do not say we have found wisdom, for God will rout him, not man. That means drive him out. For he has not arranged his words against me, nor will I repay him with your arguments. They are dismayed. They no longer answer. Words have failed them. Shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stop and no longer answer? I too will answer my share, and I will also tell my opinion. For I am full of words. This brother has been waiting to talk. You know what I'm saying? The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is like invented wine. Like new wineskins, it is about to burst. Let me speak that I might get relief. Let me open my lips and answer. Let me now be partial to no one, nor flatter any man. For I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. However, now, Job, please hear my speech and listen to all my words. Behold, now I open my mouth and my tongue and my mouth speaks. My words are from the uprightness of my heart and my lips speak knowledge sincerely. The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. Array yourselves before me. Take your stand. He like, he's he rhyming now. He's like, he went from talking to like he's busting a rhyme out, you know. Behold, I belong to God like you. I too have been formed from the clay. Behold, no fear of me should terrify you, nor should you, nor should my pressure weigh heavily on you. Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words. I am pure without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no guilt in me. Behold, he invents pretexts against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks, and he watches all my paths. And behold, let me tell you, you are not right in this, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all of his doings? And this goes on for a long time. I just gave you a brief. He just got started. He rants, not rants, but his brother goes to preaching at these guys. I mean, they're all just draw dropped like, Elahu. Yo, man, you was, you was fine. What happened? You went off. It's like Jeremiah, like a fire shut up in his bones and he went to preaching. Then they get to the, all the, the, his endings of it all. And then God answers the situation. And this is the part that I want you to think about when we don't know what to do and don't have answers. I want you to listen to how God, like really, I don't, I'm not, don't mean, he knows my heart. I don't mean this um, insincere and, uh, you know, irreverent, okay? But he gets a little snarky with them, you know? So I want you to listen to this. Uh, Job 38 and verse 1. This is God answering. I told you I'm going to read you some scriptures more, all right? So then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? It just tells us something right here before we get going any further. 
Just because we can talk doesn't mean we know what we're talking about. You ever been around them? Yeah. Just because we can open our mouths. Let me just tell you something, right? I tell my kids, just because they're, I don't, I don't like the word influencers on social media because I don't think that's what they are. I think they're entertainers. I think that's what they really are. An influencer carries a lot of weight with that word. And I'm just saying, just because they do talk, just because they do have a following doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Well, they got 10,000 people. They must know what they're doing. They're making money. It's what they're doing. They don't care about what's been put out there. Anyway, just a little soapbox. Anyway, so he says, now gird up your loins like a man. Like, I love that. Can, fellas, can I, isn't that so cool? Don't you love how God just says, man, be a man. I just leave it at that. Just be a man. You know, no extra words there. God says, gird up your loins like a man and I'll ask you and you instruct me. (laughs) Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding, Job. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? And what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with the doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? Now, uh, let's keep going on. When I made a cloud, it's garment. I was going to say, the people that have this idea about the flood and water and everything else. Um, he tells you the answers here to water. I, I, I love the ocean and things of study, like the Marianas Trench and stuff. I think that's amazing. But when you look down at the bottom of that crevice, the deepest canyon on the planet in the ocean, what do you think burst through there? Why do you think those cracks and crevices are in the earth? Now, really smart people with a bunch of letters behind their names will tell you five trillion years ago, there was some kind of an asteroid, and we're going to listen to them. Just because they can talk doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. How do they know six billion years ago anything happened? Why do we listen to this? Anyway, this is an old manuscript we're reading right here, one of the oldest books in the Bible. And this was pinned. Humans didn't come up. What did they know about crevices in the ocean? Any of Job and his friends take a dive down to the water? How do they know about this? Come on, somebody. How do, do you understand just that one thing alone supersedes our ability to, to understand by science? He put this in here without knowing. They did not know about trenches in the ocean. I know it's simple. I get it. It's not deep. But that right there alone should tell you enough to trust God. If he could pin this without any science or anything like that was going on, the Lord just, he knew what he was doing when he gave us his word. And he says this. He said, when I made a cloud, its garment on the earth, talking about the atmosphere, and the thick darkness, its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and I set a bolt and doors, and I said, this is as far as you can come, no further. And here shall your proud waves stop, referring to the land. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? (laughs) It's wild. That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked shall be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal. Clay would be, uh, you know, the stamps you use on the the envelopes, right? The the little hot wax stamps it. That's what he's saying. But they use clay. But anyway, um, what's that? Like the clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment. From... Uh, The wicked, their light is withheld, and the uplifted, its arm broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? This is before satellites, y'all. You understand, we we, the more we see, the more in all we ought to be that God is out there. Because we thought when we were in school, Pluto was it. That's what we thought. They told, we were told it was a planet. Now it was, it was a gas or whatever. I don't even know. It's, they found there's more planets now. The universe, is, they keep finding more stuff. And at some point you would think we would all go, as the world say, uh, this can't just be. I mean... But they have more faith in aliens than in God. 
Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, Job. Where is the way of the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? That you might take it to its territory and that you might discern the path to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Like, you see when it's snarky, right? He's like saying, since you know so much, you've been there, you're born, you're so old. <laughs> anyway, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle? Where is the way that light is divided? That's a whole nother thing there. Or the east wind scattered on the earth? Where does wind come from? Well, we have the jet stream. I know, but where does it come from? Well, it's because hot and co- Yeah, but where does it come from? At some point, you get to the end of what we know and go, I don't know. It's just wild to me. He says, who has cleft a channel for the flood or a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land without people? Now he's going to say this. There's stuff you don't even know about that I do. I bring rain, rain on a land without people, on a desert without a man in it, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of grass to sprout. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew, for whose womb has come the ice? And the frost of heaven who has given it birth? Water becomes hard like stone, and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. Y'all, this is before refrigeration and fr- freezers. He's talking about ice. Head scratcher for people before freezers. How does that happen? He says this, and the surface of the deep is in prison. He says, can you bind the chains? Watch this. He's about to go crazy on him. Can you bind the chains of the play days? I can't know if that's how you say it or not, but he's getting into the solar systems now and stars and, and the universe. Or can you loose the cords of Orion, the belt of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? We think, you know, a bunch of smart people named all this stuff. He, this was in the Bible. The belt of Orion, stuff you learned in school, you thought, oh, man, look at these scientists. Here you go. God put stuff in the Bible even for us to look and say, I know what that is. That Orion thing's been up there for a long time. I had it figured out long before you named it. He goes on, he says this. Can you guide the bear with her satellites? That's referring to constellations and all the other stars around do you know the ordinance of the heavens or fix the rule over the earth (laughs) can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of water will cover you can you send forth lightnings that they might go and say to you here we are who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind who can count the clouds by wisdom or tip the water jars of the heavens when the dust hardens into a mass and the clods stick together which is a pain in the rear if you live in our merchie because you know you live in clay soil. That is a pain. It really is. And it is frustration. How you can have land, water it, and make stuff feel, but then it dries out and it's hard as a rock. It's the, figure that out. I'm sure science says, but I'm just saying, it's, it's a frustration. I, I agree with the Lord here. He says, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair, who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? Do you know the time the mountain goats give birth? <laughs> what? It's like random stuff. He just is throwing in like, oh, by the way, do you know this? And this is some of my favorite things right here. Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you count the months they fulfill? Or do you know the time they give birth? They kneel down. They bring forth their young. They get rid of their labor pains. They do all this. Their, their offspring becomes strong. They grow up in the open field. They leave and do not return to them. Who sent out the wild donkey free? And who loosed the bonds of the swift donkey, to whom I gave the wilderness for a home and the salt land for his dwelling place? He scorns the torment of the city, the shoutings of the driver he does not hear. He explores the mountains for his pasture and searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Or will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in a furrow with ropes? Or will he harrow the valleys after you? Verse 11, watch this. Will you trust him? Because his strength is great and leave your labor to him. Now, do you notice what he's, he's slowly turning some stuff towards some things here. You know, we put more trust and faith in the temporary things that we see than we do God sometimes. Though he's listed all this stuff he can do. You get in your car when you leave today, you, you expect it to start. And when it doesn't, 
you're pretty frustrated because it should start. But when we ask God, we question his trustworthiness. He says, will you have faith in him that he will return to your grain and gather it from your threshing floor? Then he goes on to ostriches. The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love. For she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust. And she forgets that a foot might crush them or that a wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, she's unconcerned. Watch this. Because God has made her forget wisdom and has not given her a share of understanding. Like he literally made this bird stupid. I don't know why, but he did. He did that. I don't know. I find that humorous. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse? He is all over the place. You see what I'm saying? Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible, referring to how strong they are. He goes on to say this, he laughs at fear and he's not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin. With shaking and rage, he races over the ground and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, aha, and he scents the battle from afar and the thunder of captains in the war cry. He goes on to hawks now. Watch this. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings towards the south? Now watch this. You're talking about something else that's in the Bible that has only been realized in the last however long since they've been studying this. But watch this about eagles. Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? That, that's pretty observant. That, okay, you can figure that out. But watch this. On the cliff he dwells and lodges upon the rocky crag, this mountain, an inaccessible place. Watch this. From up high, from up there, he spies out food. Watch this. His eyes see it from afar. Go Google and study the eyesight of an eagle. And ask yourself, how would a man know to put that in the Bible? It's an amazing fact they found out about the eyesight of an eagle. Just go Google it and look at it later. I don't have time right now. Amazing. It's in the Bible. It says his young ones are also uh, suck up blood because they're birds of prey. They eat the, the, the dead. Where the slain are, there he is. Then the Lord says to Job, After all, he laid out a pretty good case, don't you think? And he says, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job said, "Uh, I'm not talking anymore. (laughs) I'm insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth, and once I've spoken, I will not answer even twice, and I'll add nothing more. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, now gird up your loins like a man. Be a man, Job. I will ask you and instruct, and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you might be justified? Or do you have an arm like God, and can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with eminence and dignity, and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. Pour out the overflowings of your anger, and look on everyone who is proud and make him low. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him, and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them in the dust together. Bind them in the hidden place Basically, if so, then I will also confess to you that your own right hand can save you. He laid out so much. And I know I read a lot to you. I get it. But it's his church. You should read your Bible. It's kind of normal. God is saying, basically, you figure out the earth's axis and how I did that. And we'll talk about your situation. You tell me how I hung the earth in the sky like I did in the universe. And it's precisely where it ought to be. I'm going to show you something in this series that blew my mind about space. Crazy stuff I found. Like I, it, it's just amazing what they're learning more of what and why. But you figure that out. At why it needs to be the way it does and the spinning rotation it does and everything. You figure all this stuff out as to how I did it, then we can talk. That's basically what he's saying. Why is this so important? Because... When we don't know what's going on around us, we need an understanding of God when we don't have understanding. Like when we don't know what to do, the best thing that we need to do is go back to God and just know who he is. Because I can't figure out all of my situation and what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. I don't have all the answers. 
but I know the one who does. And if I know enough about him and understand who he is, it can help me even in my situation that I don't understand. And this is what it comes from when Paul told Timothy this idea of something called sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy 4, 3, he says, for the time will come. Remember what I told you a while ago. Why is all this stuff happening? What happened to them? Why did this go wrong? Why did they not follow God? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in your answers, whatever you want to call it. Shakening. Paul says to Timothy, for the time will come. And by the way, if you're young in the room, Timothy was a young pastor, probably in his 20s. He proved himself and was out. You don't have to be old to serve God, okay? For the time will come when they do not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Paul says this over and over again to Timothy and Titus. We'll talk about it later. The importance of having sound or true doctrine. Sound doctrine is this, right? It means to have be correct or accurate, conceived as being free from infirmity or disease. It's healthy. It means when I, you eat when you eat meals, we used to be we used to be told it was a pyramid thing, right? Lots of bread was important, but well, apparently we might have been wrong about that, right? A lot of talking doesn't mean we know what we're talking about. We're now, I guess what do we do? We invert the thing. I don't know what we're doing. But anyway, um, when you eat, you need to have a balanced diet, right? And one of the most tough and difficult things to do is get your children to eat right, especially when they're little. My, our littlest one is, it's ridiculous. We grow stuff. We have, we have food, great food. Haley made this wonderful meal the other night with a spaghetti squash. It's kind of crazy. You bake it, cut it, and the squash... It's amazing. Talking about God creating something, it the squash is not a squash like normal. It turns into like noodles. Have you seen this? It's crazy. She made this thing with like parmesan and cheese and all this stuff. It was so good. I ate like half of a spaghetti squash. You know what I'm saying? My little one. And then she's like with a drink going. I did it. Like, seriously? It's so hard. But it's important because the nutrition that foods bring. You you don't always get the stuff that you want that makes you feel good all the time. Sometimes you got to go back to the scriptures and find out what does God say about things you don't like. Because that's a good balanced diet. And that's what Paul calls sound doctrine. Like if your doctrine consists only of, and I know, five minutes, I'm done. This is going to be a part two, okay? I I wanted to lay this open with Job. Because if you're struggling with what's being shaken, Job did too. And by the way, if you want to know this about um, uh, not only Job, if you look at Jesus, Jesus did not sin, but he also had a struggle with what was going on too. It bothered him. If you read the context of Scripture, it bothered him. He struggled with it. You don't always have the answers that you want. But I'm going to say, if your doctrine consists of only God's blessings, and you that's all you ever hear, is God wants to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. That's fine. That's the truth. But that is imbalanced if that's all you know. Because like the Rolling Stones will tell you, you know, you, you can't always get what you want. I said you can't always get what you want. <laughs> one, one more time. If Bruce was up here, we could get on key. <laughs> I said you can't always come sing with you. what you want. But if you try real hard, right, you might find... Oh, man, that's bad. We just, Richards is like falling over himself right now. Have you heard that? Okay. Sound doctrine, though, you don't always get what you want. You do get what you need, though. And it's important. Like, the faith that a Christian has with God, it, trans, it goes beyond blessing. 
It goes beyond seasons. It goes beyond problems. It goes beyond what went right for me or what went wrong for me. My faith isn't based on my situation. Like, it needs to be much deeper, and sound doctrine gives you that, okay? So, real quick, let me, let me wrap up with this, this thought here. In Hebrews 5, it says this. <clears throat> For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And he can deal gently with, watch this, the ignorant and the misguided, since he himself is also beset with weakness. The word ignorant means to not know something, mean lacking in knowledge or information. Obviously, we already know what we're lacking in knowledge and information. God tells us that. We know that. The longer we live and the time goes on, the more we realize we realize what we didn't know. To be misguided, though, guys, it means to be misled. It means to be deceived. So as we, I want to pray today for you, but I want you to hear me on this before we go. Job, in this context, I'm not talking about the top and the shadow of Jesus here. I'm talking about Job as a man. Job was misguided. And so was his friends. The young man who came along and set him straight, and then God really set him straight. Elihu must have had some different friends. Job and his three buddies basically had wrong doctrine about God. They looked at their situations, their seasons, circumstances, made a decision on God based on that. Elihu comes along and says, you know what? I'm young enough and I'm fired up enough like Jeremiah with fire up in his mouth. I, I, I can't take this anymore. I've heard all the, like, complaining against God I can take. And he just unloaded. They were misguided and they were deceived. And, and Paul tells Timothy this. This is really important about the sound doctrine thing. That when you are shaken, what you go back to is what you know in life pertaining to God. And if all you have is a diet of God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, what will you do when that blessing is not there? Because I'll tell you what most people do. They have that as their doctrinal basis. They quit God. Because it didn't happen the way that they thought. Because their doctrine is based on one, one truth. And they were told that God's always good, and He's always for you, and He never is against you. And that's true. We know that from the Bible. But you also have to understand the other side of doctrine, which says you have an adversary. Now, He's not stronger than God, but He walks about like a roaring lion looking to see who He might devour. You're not immune from him coming at you. But if you think that I should never have a problem, your doctrine is very limited and it will cause you to stumble. So this whole series, we're going to talk about how to get back to, if you have been shaken, how to get back to the foundation and say, okay, where's my doctrine? What am I building on? What do I know about God, not about me? This is not a bless me series. This is going to be a how do we know God series. So why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. And dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, I just pray right now, God, we read a lot of scripture today. Lord, you give us an example of Job and you answered so many things about Job. You answered things that, God, we're just now finding out in science today. Lord, I come to you today and I ask you to help for those that are in this room right now that, that are struggling. And God, maybe they have been shaken. They've seen their friends shaken. God, they got questions they don't have answers for, Lord. And they are, it's a struggle right now. They're having a hard time following you, Lord. Just being honest, God. Just being honest. They're having difficulties because things have not gone the way they thought that they would. And Lord, I'm just praying right now, God, that even in the midst of the season that we might find ourselves or the questions that we might have today, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as your men and women of God. God, that you would give us strength by the Holy Spirit 
to look deep again at the beliefs in which we have founded our Christianity on and ask, what is this of God and what is this of man? And how much of my belief and faith in God is it based on God's word or is it based on experiences and circumstances? Father, today I pray for those that are questioning, that feel like they are so unsteady right now. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, would you just come around them right now, strengthen them, Lord. God, give them peace right now and mercy. Give them grace and help in their time of need right now, Lord. Give them the ability to endure if they're going through a trial. Lord, I thank you for that, God. May you strengthen your people right now, Lord. May we look away from the world and what it's questioning and what it's talking about as far as things that are against you. May we look back again unto you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Jesus, we come to you today and we thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you today, I pray that they will come to faith in Christ today. With your eyes closed and no one looking around right now, if you're watching on broadcast as well, the scriptures say this, that a person, if they believe in Jesus Christ, you believe first with the heart and then confession is made with your mouth unto salvation. It matters what you say. It's not just about believing in the heart. God calls us to speak and confess Jesus is Lord. And so we're going to pray right now as a church together, all of us together. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to be saved, we're all going to pray together you just repeat this after me you will be saved but you will need discipleship and you will have a time where you have to grow in faith with God but if you need to be saved right now just pray this with me pray with the whole church repeat this after me say dear Jesus I come to you today and I give you my life and I give you my heart Father I admit that I need Jesus as my Savior and I ask you today Lord to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, I make you Lord of my life. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud. You're right, church, will you give me a hand right now? <clears throat> so proud of you. Hey, listen, if you prayed um, on the seat back in front of you, there's a little con- uh, Connect card. It's called connect.cornerstorm.com. If you're a guest with us, man, so thanks for coming out today. Thanks for being a part of church with us. Uh, hope you come back next week and continue the series with us. If you'd like more information about the church, you can fill out the card as well. And we'd love to send you some information about our church. What we do, you can come tonight for ice cream if you want. Ladies, fellas, don't. Fellas, don't come up here and here showing up. Crash in their ice cream, okay? Leave them alone. These ladies eat some ice cream. They don't need you eating a half a gallon, okay? But I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Just fill that card out for us. Let us know how we can help you and get you started walking with God or help you get more information about our church. Would you all welcome Gary back up to the platform this morning? Thanks, Pastor Jody. You know, we try to, as a church here at Cornerstone, to have sound doctrine that we believe in. The world tries to tell us a lot of things are okay. A lot of things aren't okay. Uh, we need that foundation, don't we? So hey, our prayer partners are going to be up here after service. If you need prayer for anything, come up and see one of these folks up here as well. I want to remind you again about your offering. It's so nice and cool in here today. And we're thankful that you keep giving so we can keep the air conditioning on. Uh, <laughs> um, I think about when we were down in Haiti before, and you just hope for a little whiff of a breeze to come through at church. Um, we're fortunate and blessed to have a place like this here. So thank you for giving. You can uh, do it a lot of different ways. You can give online, text to give. There's offering boxes in the back back there because we don't pass a plate around. Uh, before you go, it's my pleasure to introduce someone you haven't seen for about a month. I think he's in here. Um, Pastor Stephen Daniel. Well, I'm going to do another message. Just totally joking. Everybody's like, I need to go to food, get some dinner. I want to call up Logan. Come on up here, Logan. As you guys know, in the uh, the past, well, it was probably in May, we recognized our graduates. And every time we try to get all the graduates together, some of them were sleeping at home. I'm not going to point at anyone over here. They just didn't show up. And he was here. But the one Sunday that we recognized everybody else, he was not able to be here. So uh, if you guys would put a hand uh, together for Logan Floyd. Up, buddy. You can stand here. 
Uh, Logan is, has graduated, and he is committed to Carson Newman uh, University on a baseball scholarship. And so we just want to take this time to pray for Logan. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. They, they grow up fast. I'll tell you that. They grow up fast. Let me give this to Pastor Jody so we can pray for him. You're so, no, you look so, oh, what's with it? You just got off sabbatical. You ought to be really prayed up. All right, well, let's pray. Hey, will you all stand to your feet this morning, please? And stretch your hands out to him. And, uh, man, we're so proud of you, brother. Really are. So proud of you and all that God's going to do in your life. And uh, so proud of your parents. I know they're, they're proud of you. What's up, big guy? Oh, there, look, look back there. I know. I know. He and his dad both. I don't know if you all was here for that. Baptized right there and uh, he and his dad both. So it's awesome, man. Special time, man. I know, right? I know. I'm like, bro, like, like a man crush going on, right? Okay, anyway. Let's pray for him so we can get out of here, right? <laughs> it's going south quick. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, God. Thank you for Logan. And Lord, I thank you for his mom and his dad. And God, for um, parents who lead and direct. And God, God, I, he knows he's here today because he's had uh, wonderful parents that love you and care about you too, Lord. They, they put you first in so many things. And um, God, I just thank you for him and for, for what Logan's going to do. I thank you for speaking to him tonight. I thank you for Lord, when he's out there and on the field. I just think he's going to be a light there for so many people. And, God, what he's going to do in baseball, but then also, God, what he's going to do with his education. I thank you that uh, you, you've got a path laid out for him. And I just thank you, Lord, all he's going to ever know is Jesus. But I thank you, Lord, that you lead in God and direct his steps. And, God, he'll just um, be able to reach people for Christ. God, I pray for opportunities, Lord. And I just thank you so much for his faith, God, for standing for you, for loving you, for becoming the man of God that he is today, Lord. Watching him grow up in this church and watching him as a child and now a man. God, we, we just ask you to watch over and protect him, keep him safe. God, lead and guide and direct him in all of his ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give my hand, guys. And finally, let me just say this prayer of you as found in the book of uh, Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May uh, he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and see you next time. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.